Greetings, friends, and welcome back to the Film Alchemist podcast, the show where we take the movies we love to find out what gives them their magic. I am your co-host, Alex Dandino, introing this very special episode. We're on day two into our, again, sojourn into the horror abyss. But before we get into any of that, some business. Friends, as always, catch us on all of your socials. We're everywhere you are. Except for like Friendster. If you're still on Friendster, I don't know who is. But Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, we're there. We're there all the time. Catch us. Also, not only have we taken the plunge into the abyss, but we are also taking the plunge into Patreon. That's right. We are all over Patreon now. If you feel so inclined, just for a buck a month, you can support us and hop in on the Discord, which is just a ton of fun. We have a ton of great people over there. A lot of fun over there. Uh, but yes, Patreon, for those of you who are interested, go to patreon.com slash filmalchemist. Also, as always, if you feel so inclined, if you love us the way that we love you, please leave a rating and review, particularly on Apple Podcasts, which will help us defeat the corporate overlords who send us mirrorous evil dolls all the time. Yes, I said mirrorous. Either way. Anyways, folks, day two of our sojourn into the horror piece. We are on Child's Play 2. Yesterday was so much fun. Now, Child's Play 2. We actually had a special guest for this one. A friend of mine from uh, Comics Land. His name is Dylan Gilbertson. Dylan uh, has many bona fides in the horror genre, particularly in the comic writing horror genre. But nevertheless, this is actually one of his favorite Child's Play movies. I was very excited to talk to him about it. So was Griffey. It was a really, really fun conversation. And honestly, I can't wait to have it back again. Uh, so please give it a listen. Enjoy. If you're already here, just keep on listening. Here comes the music. You can already hear the, kind of hear the, right? Kind of coming. There it is. Oh. And we have a special guest with us coming all the way from California. Mm, California, yes. Boom! Uh, I'm currently in Lake Tahoe, but usually in San Diego. Yeah, all right. Our friend, comic book writer Dylan Gilbertson's in the house to talk about this very auspicious entrance into Chucky Land. I'm so excited. Um, this is one of my this this might be my favorite one of the series, and so I'm I'm stoked that I got to be in on this particular entry to the franchise. Oh man, I'm so excited! Before we this get is... going, would you like to do a brief introduction to yourself and uh, where people can find your work? Uh, yeah, so uh, as you may have guessed from somebody telling you, I'm Dylan Gilbertson. <laughs> uh, I, I'm a I, I'm a comic book writer. I'm mostly known for my horror stuff. Um, in uh, Action Lab did Sweetheart, which is a, a book that I wrote with Francesco Iacquinta from, from Italy. Uh, and then I'm currently uh, going to be in the Yule Anthology, which just got funded on Kickstarter not yeah. long ago. Um, I've got another book. It's a, a, a book about necromancy that uh, will hopefully Classic. be coming to you soon. Nice. Um, and that's, that's sort of my shtick is most people know me for horror stuff. Excellent. Perfect. That's a good crowd. You're in a good crowd for that for tonight. That's <laughs> right. I'm in. Right. Oh man, Griff. 
Child's yes. Play 2. My goodness. Yeah, Child's Play 2. I think uh, Dylan's right, though. I think if you polled most people, Child's Play 2 is probably the favorite of the franchise. Um, it's It's not for me, per se. I think thematically it's a little different <laughs> in this one. But I think what they said is they're like, we already gave you the kid being afraid of his own toy movie. Now let's give you the fucking Chucky movie. Right. And the Chucky game in this is so elevated above all of its peers. I feel like this is the Chucky movie as far as the shots. And maybe by the time you get to Bride and they have the shovel fight, right? Mm -hmm. But for the most part, the way they integrated Chucky into this movie, he's such a better doll. And we start on his birth and you know, his transformation into, like, the new Terminator, the rubber Terminator. <laughs> and it's really exciting stuff. So I I think what a lot of people would argue, right, is that the first Child's Play kind of snuck through. Like, how the fuck did they get that movie made, right? And this was when they had proved that Chucky was a commodity and they just fucking went for it in an enormous way. Right. Absolutely. I agree. You can tell, too, like... Uh... Uh, the first child's play, like it's a, it's grittier on film, like not just like a, you know, like a, a things are dark and grittier, like thematically or whatever, but like the 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 film grain is more intense in that first one. And this one, like you start off, the very first shot is this is this slow outward, you know, pan or zoom or one of those film terms that I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we like it, it start it it starts right in on his eye and like even now like if you watch it on HD somewhere like the zoom out on on his eye like it looks phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean like a few shots later I think maybe the very next shot actually shows a limo driving out of a tunnel and it looks like shit. Um, but like <laughs> But, but they don't the have that is, studio like, lighting, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not, yeah, so yeah. Uh, the uh, yeah the the point is that they now had the money and quality to do those kinds of shots, even though they're not, you know, consistent. Right. Yeah. Well, I think the fun thing about this, though, right, is again, it's 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 the hard reboot that all these series have to do when you start the sequel, right? So in the first one, Chucky is maimed and shot. And burn to a crisp, right? How the fuck do we get this guy back in? I think this is actually a much weirder segment of the movie than we give it credit for. Because I remembered, yeah, they do kind of the uh, the Burger King, like, Whopper glamour opening of him getting his teeth <laughs> scraped and shit. And they're putting the Chucky together. <laughs> and I just sat there and I, I was stunned watching. And I was like, why the fuck are they putting back together the Chucky doll? Yeah. The, what the, is the like, impetus for that? <laughs> it's so... It's some weird like corporate pissing contest or like some some chutzpah that they like they're trying to prove that they're that they've they're like I don't know it's it's some weird flex that they've got like we've got the doll now and it's not killing people so f you kid yeah. and it's like by the way and we're gonna give it batteries so it's even better at murdering it's like what the fuck but so think of this right so what we saw in the first one is that Charles Lee Ray is this fucking voodoo appropriator right. Yeah. So Dumbala, <laughs> he gets pink socked into this thing, and Dumbala's like, "I got his ass now." Um. So Alex, we we start off, and when the eyeballs go in, right, the machine sticks. Yeah, it's almost as if the universe is like, "Please God, don't revive this fucking <laughs> evil, hideous, you know, pink socked soul." And when the eyes go in, do you think Charles Lee Ray is responsible for that addition to the body count? Who shoots the lightning out and kills that poor technician? Uh, man, I just, I don't like, again, Dimbala. because he's such an, 
because he's a straight up appropriator. Yeah, I think Jambala <laughs> does it to purposely like fuck with Charles Lee Ray again. He's like, you're not out of this yet, dude. You have like really <laughs> fucked this up. Like I love I love framing the child's play movies as just this like eternal torment for Charles Lee Ray for like completely appropriating voodoo and then also using it to like put himself into a doll. Be like, that is not cool, man. <laughs> or is it? Do you think Tambala was wherever gods hang out and he's just like, fuck, that was amazing. Like that was the best death wish I've ever seen in my life. I mean, as the series goes on, obviously. Chucky's a bit of a punching bag. But it's a really interesting way to start, right? Is that no one summons him back. No. They play it off as just a happenstance. Because, again, I think you could argue that they're just like, fuck it, just get Chucky back on screen. <laughs> right. But there is always this weird thing that these this series does where you feel this guiding hand of fate moving certain pieces around, right? And I think this movie, more than any other, really fucking plays with that, right? Um, for example, when the foster kids pick him up, why is the orphanage so fucking close to the good guy doll factory? Right? I don't they know. almost hit a good guy truck. When she cuts that guy off at the end in the paper truck, where's the first building that Andy can run to? It's the fucking good guys factory. There is some kind of cosmic fucking I, tide pole that they cannot escape in this movie. <laughs> I'm still not sure we've discussed enough yet how terrible the play pals corporation actually is like <laughs> they are possibly the worst corporate entity like it's like play pals and enron pretty much do the same shit like they're the worst like yeah the guy they're the, not even the, good like, at the, it the guy who is originally he's telling his boss about the good news and he's like listing all of these terrible things that have happened like oh yeah this kid this this kid may have murdered a bunch of people there's a bunch of people that are dead yes. guess what his mom, his mom's in a psych ward like he kind of laughs about it <laughs> the shoulders like wow fuck these people they're, they're, they're terrible like they're like they're literally worse. listing off these horrible things and like should we pay anybody yet like it never comes up. I'm like, that is a fucking payout. In 2021, you're like, pay those people till the end of time. Well, okay. So, Dylan, I want to ask you that, right? So, yeah. the end of the last movie, the two cops are like, no one's going to believe us. So, it just like yeah. you said, in literal just bullet points, like, we got to get this out to start the script. They're just like, Andy's mom backed him up in court. She's in an right. asylum. The cops said, that bitch is crazy. So, they helped send her to the asylum. The cops... Who faced down the murder doll. The one cop, Chris Serrano, was like upside down in his car shooting at it. Just said, no, nah, we're cool. We want to get our pensions. Oh, yeah, no. Right? They're so out. they're out, right? And now yeah. Andy's they're protected also by the in police foster unions. care. Here was another question I had. Who was on trial and for what? Yeah, so I... What was the see, legal I, boundaries I, I, of this lawsuit? Yeah, so the... the, the the last time that I watched this, like we were having a conversation and I'm, I mean, I don't know if I missed it, but we were, I was having a conversation with my fiance. We were like, does he like, who do they think killed everybody? Like right. the kid says that the kid claims the dog killed people. They say that the mom backed him up in court, but like nobody explains where the bodies came from. Yeah. And like, <laughs> like the kid, if it's the mom. Never comes up. It's just like, I don't know. People die. So like the world, you know, screws fall yeah, out all yeah, the time. The world's an imperfect place. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, right. That's the cosmic hand that's guiding things. Yeah. It's like it's the it's the it's it's Dumbala's uh, like his Jedi mind trick. He just yeah. waves it over. It's like people die. It's cool. Well, you're just like, God, she works a lot of shifts. <laughs> How does she have time to take the L train down to that junkie house and blow that dude up? 
right? <laughs> and she was clearly working and made the phone yeah. call when the other lady got, you know, good guy, official murder hammer toyed mm-hmm. right out the fucking window. So I was like, who is suing who? Did they sue the good guy corporation? And then she just did like, uh, you know, Jack Nicholson on the stand and indicted herself. Like, what? what is going on here? <laughs> yes, we did miss a huge chunk here. And I feel like we were owed that legal battle. Like that is, that would have been. The Exorcism a, of Charles Lee Ray. That's the movie. The Exorcism want. of Charles, Charles Lee Ray. Like that would have been an all timer. Like that would have beat the shit out of anything a few good men had to offer us. Like. <laughs> That the is, people versus Dabala. The people versus the people the versus Dabala. <laughs> Give me that fucking movie. Where is that shit? That is Charles Lee Ray takes over uh, fucking Larry Flynn and he battles for his right to make porno mags and kill people. <laughs> I'd watch that movie too, man. No, but I I think that's the weird thing, right? Is I think one of the the reasons that Child's Play to me is one of the pound for pound best horror movie franchises, right? Because I think every entry finds its own way to be exceptionally interesting yeah. in the series yeah. that at its very core has the flaw of it's a stupid fucking doll. They always find a way to add all these extra elements that make it way more interesting than almost every other one of its peers. Right. And I think this, why does Chucky come back in this way is one of those elements in this film. Yeah. You're not wrong. There's, there's a, it's, it's what's interesting too, is that, from film to film it's got one of the best internal logics as well yes Um, like there's there's this weird guiding hand like you're saying but like it's it starts off exactly where the other one left off like there's no time jump there i mean there is a time jump but you see exactly how we got there yeah um and and in this one like he's still got his same body so he's still trying to get to andy and then in the third one spoilers he, uh, he he has a new a quote unquote new body, and so he's like, I can go into whoever the fuck I want. Right. Um, and so I I ad- I've always admired this this internal logic and consistency that it has, as ridiculous as it is, yeah. And as sometimes as hand wavy as it can be. I I think it works though. Like if it's it, it's important, especially in horror movies of this ilk, particularly these movies have to obey their own rules. Like I, I think. We can all agree it sucks when movies that are just absolutely wonderful sequelize themselves and immediately like throw extra rules in or like don't just obey the laws of their own universe. Like I know in general, probably that dolls don't come to life, that you can't like pass your essence onto it. Like, you know, I'm not saying don't don't crush my dreams. I'm not saying the world. I'm not saying the world's filled with impossibilities, but I don't think that I think that one might be a stretch for me. But, like, ultimately, I never feel whenever I watch Child's Play movies that I'm being dealt a hand that I wasn't previously dealt. Like, all I'm doing right, is receiving right. new information yes. based on prior yeah. knowledge. And that's also one of the hardest things about horror movies in general, right? Like, a great horror movie that I love is It Follows. Fucking yeah. phenomenal. As soon as you hear the pitch for that, right, you see the trailer, you're like, that movie's going to fucking be amazing. And you start watching it and you're like, it is amazing. And then with about 30 minutes to go, you're like, wait, nothing that this thing does makes any sense. And they're already going back on the rules of the game. And that happens in, I mean, I feel like that happens in like six out of 10 horror movies I watch. Where it's they set up a really good premise and then you start adding to the game and it's really fucking hard. And I would argue that Child's Play for the most part never fucking dropped the ball on that. And I, I think it's 
I think it's awesome, man. And again, I think one of the really fun things in this is this is the movie too where we we take the game of child's play and we go more into it. So in this movie, Chucky is desperately trying to get out of his body. He's got one more shot, he thinks, right? Uh, to escape, right? I think this is a little Dumbala's Lucy and he's Charlie Brown in the football thing, right? I don't think he's ever getting out. I think he's already fucked by the time he's foisted back into that <laughs> rubber prison, right? Right. <laughs> but there is this idea that he can get back. And this is the first time he, he's back in this rubber doll and his predatory abilities have increased exponentially. So now we're seeing him play more within the confines of, of the rubber. And I think that's the thing about this movie that really sticks out to most of us are the unbelievable kills in this movie. Yeah. What did you make of Chucky's new uh, murdering murdering style in this one, Dylan? And did you have a personal favorite? Um, gosh. <laughs> My favorite one is, honestly, is probably Tommy. The oh other, yeah! The other <laughs> oh he, my god! I would not have guessed Tommy, to say that. that. That that gets me every single time. <laughs> From all every every one of his experiences with Tommy and after Tommy about Tommy are the best. He just he he goes into the house and the dolls the doll immediately starts talking and Chucky interacts as if it's a real person. He's like, "Shut up, you idiot!" and just smacks it down and starts beating it. <laughs> And then he kills it, and then he's burying it later in the movie, and he's laughing about it. He's like, "Eat dirt, Tommy!" Yeah. And he's just <laughs> everything. Everything about it is is great. My favorite kill is honestly Tommy. Yeah, well, that has my favorite shot in the movie is when they do the from the shallow grave of Chucky yeah, with his yeah, wind yeah. whipping in the night, right? And he's holding the mm -hmm. shovel. I was like, that looks mm -hmm. like an old fucking Wrightson drawing or something. Like it's amazing <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. that shot. But yeah, I, I mean, I think it's just really fun because one of the things they add in this movie that I love is every grown-up he kills has to fucking stare him dead in the eyes yeah. as he does a punchline to their death, right? They, they have to come to terms with this bizarre bullshit they're being yeah. confronted with. Yeah, like, they're, yeah they're, they're big, wide eyes. And he just, and it was, someone someone in the movie, uh, oh, the, the foster care woman, when she, right before he stabs her, yep. he's just like... It's ama it's amazing, isn't it? And then stabs her to death. Like, that's that's sort of the gist that you get from every adult that he kills. Okay, I'm glad you brought that scene up because this gets back to one of the theories. So we're recording these slightly out of order. So we've been really deep in child's play right now. One of my biggest contentions is why would any serial killer not want to stay as the Chucky doll? It is the absolute peak perfect form for a serial killer, right? And there's two yeah. things in this movie that really jumped out at me in that regard, right? I love that moment when he goes, it's amazing, isn't it? Never in his life, Charles Lee Ray is like little ponytailed Brad Dourif face. Never could have gotten into that orphanage and gotten that close to that lady, right? Yeah. His ability to get kills yeah. is so much higher. Getting back mm -hmm. to your Tommy thing, right? He uses the Tommy kill to also set Andy up. And I, so he has a whole psychological warfare he can do. And one of the scenes I thought was really cool because we hadn't seen this yet in the series. I liked when uh, Kyle and Chucky got pulled over and we see Chucky's like, shut the fuck up, be good. Mm -hmm. And we see him go, Cowboy Woody, he goes fucking limp. Yeah. And I was like, this is fucking amazing. Why would you not want to? So, Dylan, if you were a serial killer, <laughs> would you 100%. rather get back into a small kid or would you rather stay as the doll? 
I, I never on the internet going to tell people that I want to be in a small kid. Touche. Um, well played. I, yeah. Yeah. Well done. Well Very done. different yeah. kind of crime. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So I, yeah, I being a doll is the ideal form. I mean, I, I can't, I'm sure there are better forms like a ghost, I guess, but like, yeah, being a doll makes everything so much easier. It, I, there's gotta be ways that it makes it harder, but I can't think of them currently. You can't Chucky drive a car. Chucky seems to get they around to... whatever issues he's having. Like that's true. He, yeah. he, he's got the guiding hand of fate that like puts him right next to the orphanage home. And things yeah. like well, that. I mean, in so the next movie, he's fucking it. shipping himself. So he somehow has oh, that yeah. tape yeah, gun. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I think Chucky's going to be all right, man. That's true. That's, that's very true. <laughs> I think I think I think the only reason it doesn't work for for Chucky. I think the reason Charles Lee Ray doesn't want to be a doll is because he's an egomaniac, right? Yes. Like he yes. he's he's, so he's, he's, he, he's got a he's got a fragile ego, and he's very uh, I don't want to say macho, but like he he doesn't like to be manhandled. Yeah. And as a doll, that's the only thing you can do is get manhandled unless you're stabbing somebody. Yeah. And then, and like, there's, I love the the running gag through most all the Child's Play movies is that like he like someone's carrying him and bangs his head on a door. Or in Child's Play two, <laughs> all in the Child's time. Play two, he, he, yeah, he's trying he's trying to close the trunk and he's just smashing Chucky's head over and over again. And like, that's got to piss him off more than anything. Right. And I think that's the thing. He's just he's just an ego monster and he doesn't like being the small thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, that I mean, is... it, it that's a really fun wrinkle too if you kind of stretch that out a little bit. Is that yeah. sounds like a lot of these serial killer backstories you hear, right. right? Where there's like this domineering kind of horrible parent figure that belittles them and makes them ashamed of who they are. So maybe yeah, there's even maybe pretty- it's weird, like the whole Chucky comedy bits. And I think that's yeah. what again what I always come back to in Child's Play is there's always just that little bit extra underneath all of these. You know, like the trunk gag is funny because you're like, oh, mm-hmm. he's gonna get killed in a minute. But if you think back to it, like, what is Chucky thinking inside? There's a lot of that that we never get to in the movies. Yeah. But when you do shows like this, you start thinking about what is Chucky thinking oh, as yeah. this is fucking happening? Yeah. And you see more of that, too, later on in the series. And I, I hate I, I feel bad that we're, we keep deviating from Child's Play, too. Absolutely but I think fine. In, like, in, <laughs> in, in, in Seed of Chucky, I forget what his what his kid's name is. But like his kid wets himself. Yeah. And like in the whole time, like Chucky's just like be a man and is like just like berating him for wetting himself and like is doing exactly what you're saying. Like what you see in most serial killer families is that they were, they were abused either verbally, emotionally, physically as children. And so you can see Chucky doing that to his own kid. You can, you can definitely assume that Chucky was treated the same way. And so I think that all fits, fits perfectly. I think. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that there's, I think that kind of inherit it's not necessarily inherited, but that sort of behavior goes forth and makes things exponentially not just creepier, but also that much more dangerous when there's no consequences when you're an, an- when you are a assumed inanimate object. Like it's a very Yeah. I agree I, I being a doll is the greatest child is the greatest like serial killer ploy of all time. Yeah. Simply because like mm-hmm. no one will ever they say it in the first movie and they nail it on the head. No one would ever fucking believe this. So of course. No. Yeah. The cops literally betray a woman into an asylum over this exact. <laughs> the only thing I would say is that Chucky's biggest problem. If he stays the doll, right. Is that if he keeps getting his clothes stained, like how can Chucky do laundry? Does he have laundry access? And like, does his hair get all ratty? Well, he's got hundreds of thousands of other good guy dolls to steal clothes from, right? 
That's fucking awesome. Oh, I never shit, thought man. of that. Oh my Damn, God. you're right. He's good. He's good to go. He doesn't need to do a day of laundry in his entire life. He can just every That's day true. take new clothes. And as he becomes either. more human, he can use actual just hair products. Those are easy to find. So he's oh, fine. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, just he could just stroll into a Walgreens and go down the hairstyle aisle. And just he just goes up. to find whoever's like, who's in charge of the costuming department at Good Guys? And he's like, I want a summer line. And I want to, right? So next thing you know, there's like this whole wardrobe in every Walmart for him. I want a Chucky Corvette, the Chucky yeah. Dreamhouse. And oh, I want shit, Chucky's yeah. bimbos, all of them. That's something I've always been curious about is why we've never, I have not, I mean, we've watched a lot of these at this point. Like Griffey said, we're a little out of order, but like, He's never really gone back to the uh, the toy store. I I think uh, that that the is the one he got killed in. You wanted him to go back to that toy store, not that toy store. Isn't it burned they, down? Not no, but like he's literally never gone to like I've like because you know you go get your you know, your fucking Chucky like you, those little those little kid cars like you know you see like yeah. famous people's children driving around like little electric Mercedes and shit like that. Oh yeah, like the, the like the power wheels. By yeah, the way, exactly. that's not even like that's everywhere now. Every yeah. kid's got those yeah. fucking things. But see, like, and mm-hmm. it's int- like this is always the thing that. This is but if you I saw thought. that in downtown Chicago at like three in the morning, that would trip like some <laughs> scare the fucking shit out of me. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Something's off. This is like a thing though that I was like watching this one. I haven't seen this one in a very long time. Yeah, like I th- actually i I said it on the on the I said it on one of the pods, but. Uh, Child's Play 3 was actually the first one I saw. But I went back and watched this one a long time ago. And watching it today, I was like, it's interesting the motif was never this. Um, it, I, it's the thing I like about this sequel, particularly, is that it's not like, oh, let's give him extra shit. Let's give him, like, you know, good guy, like, PlayPals Corporation. Yeah, like, swag. Like, he's driving around a big wheel or some shit. Like, and that's right. always... When you think about it, that's the kind of stuff that comes up in these kinds of sequels is like, oh, let's like brand it some for some reason. What I love yeah, is Chucky's always on his feet, always killing yeah, that, his feet. That's a really good point. Like from from a, like a merchandising perspective, like Child's Play is a toy. He, Chucky <laughs> is a toy. Yeah. Like, and, and I mean, it, it, everything, every, every horror franchise has been merchandised in some way. Like Freddy Krueger, like they were selling Freddy Krueger gloves to kids. And stuff like that back in the day when those came out. God like, bless. Chucky, Chucky seems primed. He's a toy for mm-hmm. other toys in the line to make buku bucks off of, but they never did it. Yeah, I I and like I think that's, that. That's respectable. I like that it's not an up like this. The upping in the the upping of the ante in this movie is the kills for me. Yeah, like that is what I like the most about this movie is that again, it's still we're not quite a child's play three yet, but like we're just right in this like sweet spot of sinister horrifying doll murderer slash right well now we're gonna in get, the phase gonna get where you, you, too. you start to see his like serial killer mo right yeah. like the the scene that always i've never been able to get out of my head from this movie is when he beats that teacher's ass right oh my god yes. so that is actually my favorite kill in the yeah movie. and that's the one i saw that as a kid and i was fucking horrified of that scene because i think as a kid you're like well my parents are god Teachers are like, you know, <laughs> Thor. They're like the, you know, sub gods that are also going to protect me at all times. Right. You know, they know everything. They teach me to write my name. They're cool. Like, they'll be fine. And even that teacher, who's kind of a prime suspect, if you watch enough horror movies, that she's going to get got. It's still fucking shocking, right? 
And all of yeah. it, just seeing Andy outside doing that, like, you know, almost PTSD, like tossing the ball an inch and like looking around, right? What? He knows something's coming. The the curse words on the paper are surprisingly effective. You're like, what if my fucking kindergarten kid came home? They're like, yeah, your kid wrote, fuck you, bitch. On the, <laughs> at first, I'd be like, did he spell it right? If not, extra punishment. You know, I'd be like, good job, but also fuck you. No, <laughs> but when, when he's trapped in that room, right? And she goes, God knows where. I don't think they even explained. She goes to make the call to his parents. That's what she does, right? The foster parents. Mm-hmm. When she comes back and he's rattling that fucking, let me the fuck out. Andy jumps out yeah. the window. When he, she opens that closet, I actually kind of held my breath. I'm like, <gasps> and I've seen this a bunch of times, right? Especially that scene. And that's the extra shit that Chucky gets to do. And then granted, they kind of spoil it a little bit because he, <laughs> the fucking ridiculous, he stabs her with the basketball pumper upper. And he goes, so, yeah. and she goes, oh, like she was hit by like yeah. a fucking wind attack in Street Fighter. <laughs> but still, so not even that part, right? The, the jumping out at her, right? That's something Chucky's developing. But when he walks out, right, that sinister fucking gnarly face, right? Brad Dorf taking shape on the face. And he's just pounding his little fucking rubber mitts with that ruler. And they cut away. And in your mind, you're like, how the fuck does he kill her with that meter stick? And it's haunted me to this day for the rest of my life, right? <laughs> yep. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's so good. I So I bet he turns it sideways. So if you hit someone with a meter stick flat, right, it's just going to slap them really hard. Yeah. And so you got to turn it. You turn, he's going to turn it sideways. To that little metal piece. See, yeah, I think it's yeah. something like a break and a stake. Because me and my friends used to hit each other with those all the time mm-hmm. like we had yeah but that one that that, that yardstick had yeah has the little metal piece where you trace on the hard part you trace on so they don't that, not those only rulers have no the big ones are wood my dad used to go to fucking lowe's like 10 times a week and so me and my brother would fucking fight with those while he was like getting his lumber order and they are just like this little fucking balsa wood right they're like thicker paints st- i'm sorry this is getting really fucking weird like dad nerdy shit but we used to fucking sit there and pretend we were the dudley boys or whatever like pro wrestlers oh, yeah. and be like hit me Smash over the, the back and you'd fucking snap them and then you'd throw them behind the two by four so you hopefully want to get in trouble and shit. <laughs> but but i'm thinking in my head so like i was like all right so what the fuck does he do with that and it's like then you start thinking like that's a pretty inane object but she definitely gets fucking got. So then you start doing all of this extra work, right? And even with uh, Phil, the dad, right? We're tapping into these. You're seeing Chucky finally enjoy killing in this form. In the first movie, yeah. he's frantically fighting against being, to your point, Dylan, this little tiny toy that's going to get manhandled, this object of you know ridicule and something to laugh at if you see it. Now he's beginning to understand how to utilize this to draw the most fear and terror out of his victims. Yeah, I, I, that's he, and I think that shows too. In the first one, he, we talked about it, the second one being in this this kind of sweet spot where he's he's enjoying it, he's he's getting better kills, he's being he's being more methodical, he knows what he's doing, he's in all these things. And, the, and I think that shows in the first one, he's much more serious, right? Mm-hmm. He's, it's all about doing this and doing that to get out of this body. And in the second one, I haven't seen the first one in a while, but in the second one, I think is where they really established his, his maniacal cackle that he has, his Absolutely. signature Chucky laugh, yeah. right? And, yeah. and that's because he's like, he realizes the kind of power he holds in being this small, unassuming object. 
Yes, is what I think. And that so that's he, where the power comes. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. And he and he's and he's finally whipping out these quips, right? He's being he's kind of being a little Freddy Krueger in his own way. He's kind of got a a little mouth on him, and it's it's a lot. It's great. I love it. Yeah, because the first one they play a lot where the audience has possible disbelief that it is Chucky. And that it's Andy, even though we know because we saw the voodoo scene. But we want to make sure that we understand that every adult in the room's like, come on, the kid did these fucking crimes. And then when he turns, right, it's more of this. Imagine you were walking past your kid's bedroom and you just heard, hey, fucking cut your mom's tit off, right? From like a deep man voice. You'd be like, what the fuck? And you walked in and it's holding like a fucking teddy bear. You'd be like, well. We're burning our house down and all your toys and we're moving, right? But, like, that's the fear of the first one. This one is a uh, imagine that you're in the grips of a serial killer. And they're doing all that serial killer stuff. But it's a fucking doll, yeah. right? So it's not yeah, yeah. this, you know, Buffalo Bill, right? Dancing around with this fucking dick tucked and stuff. It's this little fucking unassuming doll. And so the one I'm, I'm, I constantly go back to is Phil when he's hanging from the hook on the stairs however that worked physics wise and his, i still i still don't know i still have no idea i fucking watched it like it's five times confusing. on the commute yeah. today uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, I've, the- I've, I've tried drawing it i still don't get <laughs> yeah because i was like something's broken or horrible like yeah. that's the way you gotta yeah, do yeah. it you gotta diagram it out <laughs> just get that zapruder fucking diagram yeah. like but yeah and there was a there was a second hook yeah <laughs> the magic hook theory <laughs> But that's yeah, right. that's the fucking oh, funny shit. one though, is because this is a guy and poor 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 uh, Philip in this movie, poor Phil. Yeah, mm. and he just has that moment where he's like, "Oh my god!" and he's like this very straight lace. <laughs> like I collect antiques. I like to set discipline and rules. I wear a lot of sweaters over button ups. Right, like I'm a respectable <laughs> fucking grown man. And he has to at once process that the kid wasn't lying, and also that this fucking doll is about to harm him. And this gets back mm-hmm. to that, that like emasculating his other victims in a way. Because I think this movie also he begins to play with emasculating the men he kills in this movie, right? Right. Because oh, the yeah. first guy he yeah. gets the the snobbish assistant. There's this like yeah, yeah. he ties him up with a jump rope and he's like, "No, you're good to go." The guy's like, "Please take my take my gold card, oh, please." And he's like, "No, no, it's cool. Like, whatever. Park over here. Park your piece of shit car over here, right? Like, good. Go over here." And then he just fucking bags him, and he's just cackling. And you start, and you just imagine what the fuck is happening in your mind when this is going down. That's a slow way to die. And I was like, he's probably if he had his little dick in this one, which for sure, Child's Play two tells us that Chucky still has no dick. You'll hear this debate played out throughout the series of when Chucky gets his pipes. But he still has no dick in this one. But if he did, I believe, as he says in Bride of Chucky, he would be packing a Pinocchio right now. Because that's how much this man is is suffering. And yeah. I think it's amazing. I love that, that kill, that, too. That, that brings him back to his roots, too. Because yeah. he was the Lake Shore Strangler. Yeah. And I don't. That's right. I, I, I forgot about that. Up, up until that point, I don't even in the first one, I don't think any of his kills were were strangles per se. Like they're all stabs and, and whatnot. But that's the first time he really like suffocates somebody. Yeah, hell and so yeah. I think that's yeah. Oh shit, so that's, that's probably, true. Yeah, that fucking fuck. Wow, I didn't even think about that. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I want to go back real quick to, if you don't mind, the fact that these people collect antiques and they're, they, they seem to, their shtick, their whole shtick is to, to foster troubled youths. Mm. And they also decide they're going to collect valuable antiques. Yeah, right. Children yeah, come on. Touch. Like, pick a fucking lane. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Like, come on. <laughs> I think Philip does that on purpose so that he can abuse orphans. Yeah. I and he's he like, I that. set a clear rule. And he's taking his belt off. Like, I fucking warned. Well, also as a parent, you see that. And it's like anything that is within a child's highest reaching point. You are sacrificing to the trash can eventually. Every Absolutely. parent knows. You saw that. And he's like, no, we keep this on a one foot tall block mm -hmm. by the stairs. Yeah. Right? You know that when they <laughs> when they found that broken statue on the ground, his wife was so distraught. And you know that Phil was like, fucking finally. Oh, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Phil, yeah. Phil was Pinocchio in that moment. He was. Yeah, so Phil was straight Pinocchio. And <laughs> Also, yeah, by the way, they're not hateable per se, but there there is something very strange about this. There's something a little sinister about him. Also, I bring up Pinocchio. I forgot that was the book that Mrs. Kettlewell's reading that to the class. The yeah. Oh, yeah. How yeah. about that fucking kid in the front row who is just glued? I do not understand. <laughs> it creeps me out. Like, I forgot about it. I, I rewound it three times. Like, why is that little blonde kid so excited? Well, because, yeah, he's like, he's mommy he said be Drew Barrymore. Mommy said be Drew Barrymore. <laughs> and he's so intent on getting his next gig. <laughs> it was so – honestly, I was like, that kid also needs help. I hope that – I hope Ch I hope Chucky beats this teacher to death yeah. simply for that kid. It was – there, this one had like a bunch of these little <laughs> things. Yeah, like the antique thing, which, yeah, I was just like, come on. And that, I'm just like, there's all these little things where you're like, is Chucky actually guardian angeling some of these kids besides Andy? Like, is he like, I'm just going to fucking take care of these <laughs> asshole adults? He becomes the patron saint of these children of the fucking <laughs> Chicago corn. Are you kidding me? No, I do like there is a line, too, when uh, Kyle's just fucking smoking and she's in her, like, extra in a Janet Jackson video hat and shit. And she's uh, chain yeah, smoking. That. And she's like, you know, Philip will kill you if he sees you yeah. doing this again. And, and then they drop casually. She's only lived at this house for three weeks. And we're already three at the weeks. Phil is going to fucking kill you. Phase. <laughs> I was like, this is an enormous step up. <laughs> <laughs> Don't nicotine stain my antique lace. She, she like she already seemed to have down as a human being within those three weeks and then like uh andy's like talking to her in the basement the laundry room later on and she's like she he's not so bad this and that and this and that like he's laid that hard of an impression on you only being here three <laughs> in three weeks like in three weeks what leads you it's like what were you like stationed in that house from the band x-files episode before like how bad was it for <laughs> kyle <laughs> But uh, okay, so let's talk about Kyle. She's our new addition to the yeah. crew, right? Right. Yeah, Kyle's badass. I love Kyle. She's yeah. really cool, man. And I think it's it's fun because it has this Dickensian thing, right? Let's let's use some highfalutin terms. Wow, on this we're too. very we're but what very it is, fine it's, on the it's looking stuff. down the road at what's ahead of Andy, right? Because one of the things I think is yep. amazing about Child's Play one, and I didn't quite always pick it up, but now that I'm a little older and you are a parent, you start watching that movie very differently. And you start watching it from the point of what if my kid had real fucking problems and me as a parent, I'm just absolutely ill-equipped to handle that. Like I, I have no idea how to help them. And you just sit there and you cry and weep and like, please God, someone help fucking bring my kid back. Right. 
Well, the system has crushed Andy's family, right? His mom's gone. And she never fucking comes back in the series, right? Maybe after part three, there's some kind of reunion that we never get the joy of seeing. So this is Andy's life, man. And again, in three, he's, you know, in the military, he's been shuffled around a lot. Um, So you start to see this path of he's constantly going to be doing this. And Kyle's giving him these lessons that are really fucking sad and horrible lessons to hear kids giving each other, right? Because Kyle plays as, I'm like a young, you know, single lady in the city, right? She's still fucking under 18 years old. She's a kid too, and she's just been toughened up by the system. So Dylan, what did you make of Kyle as uh, Andy's kind of shepherd for this film? Um, I, I... I'm, I'm going to be real with you. I did not think of it in the way that you've just described it. And <laughs> I get that all the time. It's fine. <laughs> it, I mean, it, what, the thing is that, is that it's perfect, though. You hit the nail absolutely on the head. I think, like, in my head, always she was just kind of uh, just like his protector. Yeah. Like, right? She was, she was the person who could do something about it when he couldn't. Uh, and so, and that was one of the things, too, because when you see it early on, uh, she kind of, I mean, it's, it's hard to describe it this way, but she kind of fails him on a couple of occasions oh, yeah. where like, he's trying to tell her that these things are happening and she's kind of like, what the fuck ever? Like, it's not a big deal. Um, but then as it goes on, like, and she gets it, like now he finally has this adult on his side. Uh, that's not his mom. And so she kind of works as this, this more badass mother that he never had. That'll, that'll stick with him and, and kind of do something about it. And so I, I loved it. I think that they were, a great pair i also think she's a great foil to chucky yes she's kind of she's she's not opposite chucky in any way they're they're very similar in a lot of ways but yeah. she's sort of uh on the side of good if you will and so i think kyle all around i think is is great i love it, her it's interesting too because there is this sort of like going into child's play three there is this like ghost of christmas future aspect to her because you realize yeah, yeah like she's the same like andy and child's play three is literally the exact same person so it's like yeah. picking up where she left off. But um yeah, I like the way you put that though. They are like similar, but they're not yeah, she's I mean, yeah, she's fighting on the side of good, but I think yeah. more to the point she's fighting for herself because she's clearly a survivalist. If she yeah. can be she's in She's seen multiple a lot of fosters, shit, it appears. Yeah, she's yeah. seen a lot of shit. It's she's an interesting character. I, I actually like watching this, I'm like, man, I wish she had been like I wish we had gotten her maybe back in three. Or I, like I really wish she would have come back for more. I, yeah, he, yeah, she would have been awesome in more movies. I mean, the military the academy is a fun place, but that's the kind of prom- unfulfilled promise that I'll always think about with this is when she's like, let's go home. And he's like, where's home? She's like, I have no idea. You kind of yeah. want those two to make it right. You're like, yeah. oh, OK, because that's the cool thing about Kyle is she it would, is a real like Oliver this, and artful, artful Dodger thing. Exactly right. She exists in this weird area where she's still childish enough to accept Andy might be telling the truth, which is the, right. the cardinal sin of this film is that an innocent child is constantly asking for help. And everyone says, oh, boy, he's troubled or fuck him. Gross. I got plans tonight. And she's the one person who's just young enough but also physically old enough to do something. So I think she's in that sweet spot. That that's on that same note, the therapist at the very beginning, who's like asking Andy to talk about it. Like this dude is a therapist at the the (laughs) orphanage. I don't know how we don't really get an indication. I think of how long Andy's been there, but we, we think it's been a while because they're like a court proceeding. It happened with his mom. Yeah. This dude acts like it's the first fucking time he's ever heard this kid's story. He's just like, (laughs) 
<laughs> he tells like, yeah, the a doll murdered all my children. Yeah. He's like, holy shit. Like, that's a scary <laughs> dream. He's just like, he's brutal, like, yeah. bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. But yeah, so, so to your point, like, all these adults are, are hearing this kid, and even the ones that are supposed to help him, like, just either either don't fucking get it or don't care. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's a bummer. Well, here, I'll one-up you. Uh, the worst person in the film is the lady, the red-haired lady who runs the, the not Holy asylum, shit. orphanage. So this is, as she, she said, right, we, we find out this was a national news story. People were talking about Andy and that his fucking doll murdered and that his mom's in an asylum. And the cops betrayed this. You imagine, I, I, I guess I don't know how old everyone is, but, you know, I was at that age where I was living through the OJ trial. You could not find anything on TV on any day that didn't eventually come back to the OJ trial. It was the all encompassing fucking black hole of our culture. For a long yeah. time. I remember in sixth grade, me and my friends were debating at lunch one day. Instead, we took a break from comic books to debate where OJ could have hidden the weapon. That's how oh fucking God. huge that thing was, right? Yeah. So that's how big this case would have been, right? And that's right. that's his or her ward at the orphanage, right? You think about the guy in uh, Silence of the Lambs who's like trying to get a book deal out of Hannibal Lecter, right? He knows what he's got. Right. So she's got Andy there. She's heard the story. She knows Andy... Charles Lee Ray, right? She knows all this. His doll, Chucky. She's heard this a thousand times, I'm sure. She's given interviews. She's getting 60 Minutes requests. All of a sudden, a voice just calls and says, Hey, I'm his uncle, Charles. And it's in this <laughs> oh my God, hideous yes. fucking voice. It sounds like a put-on. She's just like, Oh, would oh, you like yeah. to know exactly where to find him in the middle of the night? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. right? Let me pull up MapQuest that so you can fucking go murder this man. And I was like, you fucking I idiot. I thought the same thing, but it was from the perspective of this This woman knows everything about this child's life. Like, she knows all the extended family all members to go through this. And, like, who is going to take custody of this child now that his mom's gone? Not That's a once good point. Did Uncle Charles come up on the radar. Yeah. He just calls it up. <laughs> Instead of, like, call it, she doesn't call the foster parents to tell them, like, oh, hey, like, an extended family member wants to see the child. Like, nope, here's the address. Good luck. So this guy <laughs> called who sounded exactly like a serial killer, and I just told him your address. I hope Phil's cool with that and isn't beating the children so he can defend your household. She's literally like, you know what? I think it'll be okay. Yeah. Like, she, Well, she no, their excuse the phone, she's is like, that <laughs> some kid's fucking annoying her, right? That she's like, I don't yeah. want to play red light. It's late. Go to bed. And that one, yeah. so a lady who has worked her way up in the orphanage industry, which seems like a hard place to like, you know, survive and deal with these kids. And then later she's still pretty supportive of Andy. So they don't play her as a shitty character. No. We're just, no. to, we're just to expect that she has this absolute mental lapse and just sends this fucking heat seeking criminal <laughs> at this fucking house of her super fosters. As we find out that I fucking like the idea had me rip my hair. Out. <laughs> I, but I love the uh, this is my, I love the idea though where she's sitting there and she's going like it's this is like straight out of a comedy where she's like t laying on the phone and she's like should I have done that yeah, yeah no, she she hangs <laughs> up and just sort of twiddle, twiddle, twiddles her fingers she's like yes I feel good yeah, about this that'll be fine crushed it <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> Uncle Charles just wants to see Andy and make sure he's okay yeah. Yeah. oh god yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah maybe Uncle Charles is the fucking missing suspect who knows lady uh yeah and yeah. that's. Because I think that's another thing that they play pretty well in this one is, uh, again, we get back to this cardinal sin of the series is grownups refusing to help. I think it's kind of a sinister kick in the dick that they do in this movie. Because, again, the Child's Play movies are all fairly cynical, right? 
Yeah. That they yeah. take these foster parents and we find out because Andy gets that dig, that inadvertent dig on them, right? That crushes her right to her soul. You know, this has been in my family for three generations. My grandmother to my mother, my mother to me. And he's like, Again, who are you going to give it to? Why are you have so many like, fucking antiques oh, in your house? Oh, 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 my ovaries, right? She's get all a, sad. Get a life, lady. You yeah, full-blown yeah, exactly. psychopath. <laughs> I mean, I think that's just what our parents' demographic collected. Like, we just have cooler collectibles. Yeah. Yeah, if yeah, our parents yeah. had pop vinyls, they would have fucking done that or whatever. Right? Real talk. <laughs> my mom my mom collected spoons. And so, yeah. like, that was a thing. Oh, my <laughs> grandpa had, like, John Wayne plates. They just painted John Wayne's mm-hmm. faces on plates. And I was like, what? they couldn't afford a canvas? Like, what are we? You know, that was just, like, a thing. <laughs> like, yeah, they don't they don't want to put it in a nice frame or anything. You're just going to set it on the fucking hutch. Oh, whatever. I don't even know if people have hutches anymore. That was, like, a whole lifestyle. But that's, I mean, that's just weird shit. But. They're a family that can't have kids. And you can yeah. tell that Phil is probably like, that's awesome. I'm loving this life. But she really is like, <laughs> I'm going to go help these troubled kids. And there's all these scenes of them. Like the one when uh, they find the the doll broken or uh, the curse words at school, whatever it may be. Right. And you just hear them fucking screaming. And it's almost performative loudness where you know that the kid's overhearing it. Right about he's not our kid. And we just see this like it's almost a a slow pan over through the doorway to just this fucking little tiny kid in an empty room. And it's fucking brutal, man. The weight of the world is on this little fucking kid. You are on your own to survive. Kyle is right. And it's the one lesson of these movies that we never want to be true. But it fucking is, man. It and it would be man. hard for any of us to admit that if our kids like the doll did it, you want to be like, you fucking lying sack of shit. Like you, yeah. you broke <laughs> yeah. mommy's auntie. Right. But it's kind of true. And I think Joanne's descent and destruction in this movie is this extra layer of brutality that I was not expecting uh, when I was rewatching it. Because she fights for Andy. She seemingly wants to do best by these kids. And by the end, you see that she is so broken oh, and yeah. so fucking hates Andy. It's it's crushing, yeah, she, man. She yeah. when she finds Phil dead at the bottom of the stairs, and like I I, I literally just got chills thinking about it because you're absolutely right. Just like the moment when you realize that all of all of the hope and all of the work that she'd done to try and 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 not help Andy, but like to help Andy, like all all the fighting she did for him, like gone. She looks at him and just tells him, "Get away from me, you!" Mo-. I think she says, "You monster!" Yeah, and just oh my gosh, it's so brutal to see that. Well, because yeah. it's, it's sad rough. to see her fall from grace, but also then Andy has to keep suffering these yeah. indignities because yeah, yeah. he knows the truth, and that crime is placed upon him again. Yeah, and it's just like, and I think that's again like Child's Play always has that extra layer. And these subtle emotional attachments, like, how would you ever expect you're going to have emotional attachments to yeah. any character Let's in go. the fucking rubber doll movie part, too? <laughs> but they really <laughs> find them in this. They yeah, do. there's a there's a, there's a moment in that movie. One of my favorite parts of the entire film is uh, after the the the, fought, the the orphanage owner dies. And then Andy is just like he's disassociated. He's dissociated from this point. Like he's just sort of staring off into space at the body and Chucky just goes snap out of it. Like you act like you've never seen a dead body before. Like in the first one, it was like, he oh, was yeah. scared. Like Chucky was trying to be scary and this whole thing. Um, and then in this one, like they have a rapport, like there's this yeah. very, there's a very uh, nuanced relationship that him and Chucky have now. Like 
you've been here before. Like, snap out. Let, let's move on. Let's keep going. Well, it's right. the strange relationship of while Chucky's trying to get in his body. And I think he even uh, says we're going to be fucking inseparable, which yeah, insinuates does. that Andy will live in and watch the crimes that are committed with his body oh, until fuck. he's done. Right. Like, so there's this extra they... scary level to it. I always assumed that they would switch like Andy oh, would be in the dog. That's a good point. No, I never yeah. thought I thought they would be inseparable. So now they're bonded. Right. Like John Wait, Malkovich. But, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know. I thought it was going to be like a, I always figured it would be like a, a get out type like, thing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, maybe. maybe. Who yeah. knows? So anywho, right? They say that. And it got me thinking. I was like, at that point, you said that really hit me too, right? In the, the office. And I was right. like, in a weird way, Charles has already been in Andy, right? Because everyone thinks that Charles' crimes are Andy's. So he's already lived the life as this murdering serial killer by right. proxy. He's had to see all these people around him murdered. And he's seen probably 10 dead bodies at this point. And right. everyone oh, yeah. thinks he's responsible. So yeah. in a weird way, he's already completed the transference. And Andy just is the fucking, you know, burning ruins of that fucking life. Of that that yeah. happenstance that his mom tried to be a good parent and get him a gift. I mean, it's this. It, I, You said it earlier. Honestly, it is like oddly this Dickensian tragedy in a lot of ways. <laughs> It's so weird that we're talking about child's play Jeopardy words and Charles did, Dickens. <laughs> but like it is this like really everything about what like happens in this movie is like it comes from the right place. Like I think about it like not this movie. Like 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 the origin story of how they're like everything is well intentioned. Like these people are like clearly like her his foster parents are like just like weird creeps like they're not like hate they're not total dickheads they're not like a straight up abusers they're super they're just, fosters yeah that's something they're, they're super fosters like they're trying to do the right thing they just you know they're hoarders too like that's like their own <laughs> classy that's ass their hoarders, problem though. Classy they're classy hoarders. ass hoarders but like they don't like, everyone means well except for clearly like play pals corporation they all want to do the right thing by yeah. andy because he's clearly had a horrible time but like when you also kind of have to kind of have to suspect, like, hey, is this kid also a killer? It is you know this what? weird I don't, sort of thing that adults have to I don't even know as much that it's they're worried that Andy's actually the killer, right? I think one of the insidious things they add in this film is this is the t first time we see Andy starting to lie to make adults comfortable, right? So we see this with the therapist, right? Yeah. And he's like, bro, that's wild. I see what you're saying, yeah. And he's like, um, you know, you know that's a dream though, right? Dreams can't hurt us. And Andy goes, yeah, right. And yeah. he's just brushing he's him off because he just knows. He's like, this guy's a fucking zero asset. He's not helping me. He's not protecting me. I don't want to expose myself. I want to get back to mom. Mom told the truth and now I'm here. And we see that when he grabs the Tommy doll, right? Because he's like, oh, if I have the Tommy doll, and I let Phil see that I have the Tommy doll. That will put him at ease, right? So he's disarming adults with the lie. And what does that tell us is that I think this happens with a lot of us. We don't like to admit it. But other people's lives are fucking messy, man. Our lives are messy. And I think one of the hardest things for us to do is someone's like, I really need help. And you're like, I'll help. And they lay it out for you. And you're like, that is a dossier of bullshit that is going to splash back on me. 
I'm not helping anymore, right. right? Like, we've never had that exact exchange, but that's what's happening in your mind is you're like, that's too much. That's right. too much yeah, for I'd, me. I, I, I didn't sign up for this, and I'm sorry that yeah. I approached you to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If you want help moving a couch or something, fine. But, like, once right. your kid is throwing people out of windows, I'm fucking done. Like, I can't help you. <laughs> and there is this, because that's what Child's Play has always been the best at, is they absolutely eviscerate every pillar of our society every like societal safety blanket right family uh you know the police whatever it is they always undercut it. foster parents right universally beloved foster parents no one is mad at teachers right maybe you had a teacher but for the most part we think teachers are very noble boom fucking dead right and that's what it is <laughs> we're watching this kid realize the world he's living in and that's really scary right because i remember the scene in part one when andy's holding the scalpel and he's kind of poking it around, and you're like, he's not a warrior. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's playing at what he thinks he needs to do to defend himself. And the sadness of that image haunts you, right? right. This is almost yeah. worse because Andy's doing the calculus that if I tell the truth and I expose them, right, I'm going out with the trash. Yeah. And it's it's fucking it's, – it's really sad, man. You, the only moment of full honesty I think you see – most of the time he says it, but he's not. He's kind of saying it in like a whiny way. I don't think he's trying to actually convince people. But when he tells Kyle when he leaves, he's like, he's still in the house. Don't let him get you too. Right. I thought that was a really just, I mean, that's just a powerful moment, man. That's a really yeah, he, strong moment. He says it in in a, a high degree of honesty and earnestness. Mm -hmm. and he, But it's not in a desperate plea. Like yeah. he's not he's no longer the kid from the first one who's desperate crying on the floor saying he's, he's coming to kill me. He just understands what the moment is yeah. and he's just honest about it and just says it. Yeah. I, I like the, I like the trajectory of Andy, especially, I mean, for the, for these first three movies, like his arc is so impressive. It's so impressive. Again, the built in of a movie about a killer doll, the, arc of andy as like from like yeah helpless kid even to this is amazing like it's just it's transformed like not only is he lying to save the trouble with adults and all that other stuff it's more important that he literally has come to grips with the fate that's that you know the the deck of cards is dealt him like it's pretty fascinating in this movie and then in child's play three to just see where it all goes like his he stops being a reactor because i think we talked about like last you know last october when we did this we talked a lot about like these characters who are just reactive and i think what's interesting is like andy very particularly in this movie is no longer just reacting to what happens he's literally actively he's might be actively fighting against it but he's trying to roll with it as well and that's really yeah interesting to see not only for a kid actor but also just interesting to see for a child character in a movie because you're you that kid almost routinely would always just be a like a macaulay culkin you know like home alone face through the entire movie <laughs> fucking yeah. dead phil and instead yeah. andy's arc is about accepting his fate and literally trying to avoid trying to not only just avoid problems but overall like try to avoid try to avoid like other people dying in the process simply because yeah and yep. that's the power of a sequel right is what most horror movies begin right 
Uh, I found a box at a garage sale. Now my daughter's puking up moths and, you know, she's levitating till her fucking forehead bumps the ceiling and, you know, fucking a crucifix. You're like, that's not ideal. Like, I got to handle these things one at a time. I wasn't expecting this on Saturday, right? The big game's on and now my daughter's crab walking down the stairs. So there is a reactionary nature to most horror, right? Horror is a disruption of your day-to-day life in ways that you can't control or foresee, right? Right. What's nice about a sequel is what if the character's already seen this shit in the war? And so as they wade through the other people who are seeing it for the first time, they're making moves. And Andy's fucking making moves in this movie. And I think I think yeah. it's cool, especially when you add in he's a kid. Because, like, my kid doesn't make moves. My kid's got it made, right? Like, my kid couldn't make moves. He doesn't know what the fuck, <laughs> you know? Like, he's, he's just, like, a very docile, like, house pet at this time. He's a great kid. I love him. He's great. All right, uh... Before we get out of here, right, let's talk about what you guys make of the the Chucky nosebleed in this one. So watching Chucky become more human, and not just human, but why the nosebleed? Uh, I I mean, my first guess is just that it's an easy visual representation that you can see. Yeah. Probably right on. Uh, <laughs> because because plot reasons. Yeah, way to kick probably. my question right in the nuts. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Do you think so? So in the first one, he talks about uh, or the, the, the voodoo priest that taught him the voodoo that he appropriated. Uh, he tells him <laughs> that like when his heart becomes human, like that's when you have to kill. You shoot him in the heart. That's that's the that's the key is mm-hmm. when his heart is human. He's human. Right. Um, it, maybe it's something to do like his brain like is also becoming more because to become human, mm-hmm. you got to have like you gotta have a brain you gotta have a heart you have to have internal organs yeah and so as as his body becomes more human like the things that come with that are actual nostrils and a dick yeah but oh, you know yeah. and so and so you see the the nose because he's, it's a real nose now and he's in because there's a bunch of brain stuff going on you know there's probably a lot of weird leaky plumbing up there well, also, he probably definitely has CTE. Now that you're, like, talking about it like that, I oh, didn't. Wow. But I was like, when he got thrown off that car, he's essentially 90% human. Oh, yeah. So, like, we're talking yeah. massive head traumas. <laughs> I didn't yeah. even put that together. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> oh, shit, yeah. He basically, by the end, is, like, most of the NFL. My God. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. I, yeah. They tried to he's tell us. Child's player was trying to tell us 40 years ago or whatever. Don no. Mancini knew yeah. before anybody. But I think I think that's a really cool beat, man, because I love the nosebleed when it comes back and lands on Andy post ritual. Right. And they kind of give you the Andy wakes up shot. It's like, did they didn't they whatever the doll's still moving? Maybe that's what you're saying. It's the the double switch. Right. The Freaky Friday. Right. But I love Charles Lee Ray fucking begging Dumbala. Dumbala, I beg you. And it plays as this ultimate like as we see Mm -hmm. the clouds roll back and he's like, I'm too late. And it was like, bitch, you were too late in the last movie. You already got fucking shot in the heart. Oh, yeah. That is Dumbala just fucking having a laugh at this poor bastard. <laughs> yeah, yeah he's, he's up there in the clouds, like, nudging the other god. Like, check it out. His nose, his nose yeah. is going to bleed he's again. He's like, I got that little fucker again. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Idiot. Yeah. Idiot. Yeah. He's like, you fucking white devil. Oh, God, I love that shit. But, <laughs> oh that's, but then it, it becomes really cool, though. I thought the effect of him becoming human in the last one it didn't make a lot of difference in the movie, right? It was your ticking clock, yeah. and it's how you finish the movie. 
Right. This one, there was something right. really cool because they did this like three shot montage in it that was really funny, right? So Andy's sliding down a conveyor belt. They do the Chucky jaw shot rah, where he jumps yeah. out. Right. Then they do the Chucky Terminator <laughs> shot where his hands caught in the the thing. Yeah. And that's yeah, how yeah. they actually create Skynet and the time paradox, right? But when he rips it off and then, you know, does the ash from Evil Dead where he makes the stump, there's yeah. something mm-hmm. really gnarly and pulpy about it, right? We're seeing tendons and blood. And when he fucking shoves that knife and it's like, oh, it's like almost this uh, physical yeah. orgasmic release, right? It's it's wild, but it adds this extra intensity to Chucky that I think is really important and cool as the franchise goes on. When you see him actually suffering, yeah, I think it just fucking elevates well, that that uh, game. It's interesting because it could, becomes less of a ticking clock and more of a eventuality. And you're like, yes. when does this shit actually start happening? Where it's like, he's not going to get up every time. Like eventually, he's going to be like, you know, quite frankly, a little boy. And I don't know, my kids, yeah. my kids made of you know fucking Play-Doh, but at the same time, like. Something's going to knock yeah, you out. Yeah, your kid outweighs the Chucky doll by fucking 10 times. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's a hard fight. <laughs> that's why they have weight yeah, classes. Do you, do you think once he, I, I don't know, you can't really see it very well on film, but do you think that when he becomes fully human that like his skin is less plastic? Does he, is, does it become harder to dupe people and play the, the Woody doll shtick? Like the act where he just like, he sort of drops. And everyone's like, what's this? Dude. There's a fleshy, there's an unconscious, weird-looking child over here. Now like, he, he looks look like those even? real sex sex dolls. Where you're like, oh, God, don't go to Here's that. Here's what I was thinking about, though, in regards to this, is, like, fast forward to, like, Bride and Seed. Like, Seed particularly when um, our, when uh, Tony Gardner opens him up in the in the Seed movie, he's, like, pumping flesh and blood. You're like, he's been that body for a long time now, so... Yeah. How long does it take for him to get, like you're saying, like regular skin? Yes. Well, yeah, in like, Bright, it's yeah. like he's immediately like a fleshy thing again, it feels like. It's faster and faster and faster. Right. Do yeah, you think I, the magic's so, wearing off? Yeah, in the in the so in Child's Play Two, when he like it and it's right after he's become fully human, right? We feel like we just missed the clock by a second or two, right? Yeah in the toy factory. Mm-hmm. And then when his hand gets ripped off, like it's really like, you can see all these tendons and, and like there's blood coming out. Like there's also still like wire in there. Yeah. Like it still looks like there's mechanical pieces inside of him. And so, yeah. So I, I guess once like the heart is, is human, the brain's human, whatever, like as it goes on, like it just slowly melts away and becomes more and more human. Like, I don't know how long maybe that's another, be, like, maybe that's another hilarious Dembala dig where he's just like constantly like, guess what? I'm going to give him way less time this time to be. Before he's <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? Human. I actually was thinking this time watching it. So you had joked about the Pinocchio uh, fairy tale in the class, right? Yes. Well, the part she's reading, if I'm not mistaken, is if he just keeps telling the truth and this and that. Yeah. Through becomes... those deeds, he becomes a real boy, right? Right. What if Chucky, by his very behavior, is revealing his true nature, and every time he commits a kill or something like that, that's what's getting him closer to being human. So that's why in the later movies it feels instantaneous, because Charles has fucking taken so much flesh that it's become his. Right? And I was like, that's a pretty cool cool angle, I thought. I was digging that at the end. I I absolutely like that. That's 
That's perfect. Yeah, yeah so works. like if he had just not killed everyone else, maybe yeah, he just right. has like forever to get Andy, yeah. right? Yeah. And he's yeah. like, Andy, oh, yeah. I'm going to catch you when you're 32, you know, and you're performing at <laughs> World's Strongest Man. That's when I'm going to get you. But he just has to keep killing because that, like yeah. you said, when he gets back to his suffocation, right, that's his first his first right. true kill of the movie. He right. just can't help himself. He he wants yeah. that, right? So maybe yeah, that, that's that, the the kind of a uh, you know island where the boys turn into donkeys of this movie. I don't know. Yeah, that's a that's a nice layer of like uh, of like tragic irony in it too. Is that he's he's trying so hard to not be this to become human inside of this doll, but like he just keeps killing people and he's just doing it to himself over and over again. Yeah, yeah I thought I I thought that was really fun and I like that. Yeah. <clears throat> Well, they yeah, kind of works. do that, too, with the the foster mom when she's reading Hansel and Gretel and she gets to the important part of the story and she's like, and they mm-hmm. lived happily ever by. And he's like, no, they don't. He's like, they do tonight. <laughs> and I was like, oh, the irony that you're not paying attention to these stories. Well, to be fair, that book was about to fall apart. It was very valuable. Yeah. She was really just closing it to preserve. The oh, pages. yeah. Yeah. Her grandmother had it. They gave it to her mom. My grandmother didn't learn from it. My yeah. daughter, my sister was eaten by a wolf, and now my mother. Is, yeah. Um. What did you? What What were some of your favorite bits about the final set piece, Dylan? Because I know a lot of these movies devolve into set piece at the end, and yeah. I, it, oftentimes I found that boring. I thought this one was really fun, though. Yeah, it's got a lot of. It's got a lot of. Uh, uh, I can't think of the right way to describe it, but it's got a lot of fun toys in it. You know. Yeah. It, and also it's great thematically because you start the movie there mm-hmm. and then it comes around and you, you know, you end the movie there. Um, and yeah, it's, I don't know. There's a lot of bright colors, which is somewhat disarming. I mean, you're at the end of the movie at this point, you know, nothing's going to be disarming. You know, you're waiting for a bloodbath at this point, but right. it's weird. It's, it's almost like, uh, uh, like seeing a horror movie take place in like a McDonald's playpen. There's like this feels like wow, a, this, yes. this, this feels like a fun, happy place that you could like you could kind of explore and see some cool shit. Um, but instead, it's just murder and terror. And it's great. I love it. Yeah. Well, I think what this one does better. We talked about this before, Alex, right, where they say that uh, in writing, right, and directing that a fit, uh, an action scene should be a disagreement with your fist, right? That every punch should tell you narratively something about the person that threw it and this and that, right? I think this one kind of pulls that off because at the end, like in part three, we're just literally running through a fun house. There's no gleaning any information. It's just we've got to fucking have something and it looks cool. This one we are seeing Chucky get denied. Chucky's now this thing. Uh, Kyle and Andy are doing it. Andy's a little timid. He's becoming a child again, right? As his pull from Chucky's gone. Um, You know, they do throw in like the security guard getting the eyeballs, which is fucking hilarious. But it has this extra level of Chucky and everyone's doing things that are telling us a lot about their character. And I think that's what I thought was really cool about this one. It kind of has the extra, like, jumpy out stuff and here and there. But, yeah, I just, I thought it was really well done, man. And I, I like the idea of Chucky as the Black Knight from Monty Python just crawling around <laughs> yeah. like, dear God, I swear I'll yeah. get you. There's, there's a patheticness <laughs> totally. that Chucky always has to hit in every movie. And I think that's why we like Chucky, though. I really do. And I think that's why we like Freddy also. Is I think there's a fallibility and a patheticness to them that disarms us enough that we can start kind of rooting for the bad guy. Yeah, yeah, I think this one just does a really good job of that. And honestly, like him tromping down the assembly line, he's going against the Uh fucking flow of the other dolls, so you know he's a unique and awesome... 
I got to yeah. say, I don't know if we really talked about it a lot, but the, the fucking upgrade in the game, I think to your point, Dylan, you said Chucky looks way more humanoid in this one. Yeah, definitely. And that was like the scenes of him and Kyle just driving in a car. It's like, this is just like buddy comedy shit. And it just <laughs> yeah. looks like two pals oh more than the fucking doll. And I thought the one scene I thought was when he jumps on Kyle's back. However, they did the fucking leg kicking the kick oh god beautiful work i thought that he was so good in this movie chucky looked amazing in this film Agreed. oh yeah he he was he was incredible i think one of the things i appreciate about the like thematically or like in it from a storytelling perspective at the end in the in the fun house is that it's the climax of the film like you've you've sort of built to this point but there's sort of also like an additional elevation a climax to Chucky as a character, because like you said, he keeps getting denied. Like he came there to get exactly what he wanted. And then he was denied that by not being able to change his body. Mm-hmm. And then, and then every time he's denied, like his arm gets ripped off and Andy escapes and he kind of becomes a little bit more pissed off about it. But like, and then when he, he comes down the conveyor belt and swipes at him with his, with his knife hand, um, he kind of makes a, he, he kind of laughs and makes a little joke about it. But then he goes up into the conveyor belt thing and gets like melted and now he's just deranged. And so you see like the more he can't get what he wants, just the more unhinged he becomes. And it's in like until he literally explodes. Right. Yeah. Oh, God. What a great way to end the movie. That was an awesome kill. (laughs) So awesome. The big trouble in Little China ending. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I just I. All right. So to wrap this up. Dylan, what is what are you, what, what were your takeaways from this one, right? Like, if you were to give a brief pitch of why Child's Play two, what what does this movie just leave you feeling? What do you love about this one that keeps you coming back? Oh my god, that's a really uh, that's a that's a very difficult question. It's it's everything you love about the first one, but it's turned up to eleven, but it hasn't jumped the shark yet. Yes. This. Right, it totally. it gives him <laughs> it it gives Chucky all of the benefit of a bigger budget. Uh, it gives him all of his trademark personality quips. Um, it's got it. It gives him his laugh. It it really is the next step up from the first one without having gone too far. Yeah, Alex, same uh, question. I mean, I don't think it can be said any better than that. Honestly, like it is the. I mean. To the the not jumping the shark thing probably is because this is it's like we were talking about earlier. It's so easy in this kind of movie to do that. For it to not do that is the most impressive. And yeah, it's yeah, it's still it's still terrifying. I'm still and in it, the air. I'm still in that yes. mode of like I'm actually scared. And I think that's what is the takeaway for me in this one, right? Is that child's play? It's really important that they have that beating heart under the rubber, right? And I think this one does a really good job of it. And it also keeps attacking these norms of our society to make it really scary. This movie, it is really hard to watch Andy just keep fucking suffering, man. And they they really utilize it to its maximum. And again, like you said, Dylan, all the shit that we now associate first, second that we think of Chucky comes from this movie. Yeah. And I, yeah, I, I think yeah. this is, cause it, this is something we like to do when we do this, right? So if you're doing horror movie sequels of the big franchises, is this the best part two of all the franchises? Because part twos are usually pretty good for the franchise, right? Halloween two is very good. Friday the 13th two is yeah. very good. Hellraiser yeah. two is very good. Friday, 
uh, Freddy. Nightmare on Elm Street is now Friday, a beloved Friday and too. getting its its love for part two. Part two is the really good entry. And so I, I think this one is up there with those. I don't know where I would rank them per se. That's a real, I, I have a soft spot for Friday the 13th part two myself. I yeah. think that one's really good. But like, I think this is better than Halloween too. Yeah, I would agree with you know that. What I mean? so too. Yeah. It's better than Texas Chainsaw too. Like it's, it's in the pantheon of good sequels. Yeah, I think I'm trying to think of better ones. It's definitely in the top three. Like you said, uh, Friday Friday the 13th, too, is good. I have a soft spot for Nightmare on Elm Street, too. Yes. I think that's a, yep. that's a great one. Um, Leprechaun, too. I don't know why I like Leprechaun. Okay. Too. It's good. So before we decided we just wanted to talk to more awesome people this year, our plan was to do Tiny Tear. And it was going to be oh all the God. child's plays and all the leprechauns. Oh, that's amazing. Th- that's my other argument I always make is that Leprechaun is the other most undervalued because it yeah. always finds a way to still be really interesting and it never yeah. should. And uh-huh. until you get to about back to the hood. So you're like, they get like five to oh six good movies before we're kind of like, yeah. all right, maybe you know we hit mean? a wall. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, I think the fourth one, I think was in space. That might've been a, a bridge. Too okay. Far. Now you say that. I don't know when the last time you've seen Leprechaun in space is. Uh, that's fair if you go back Long and watch time. i think i've become inadvertently the new in space defender right like i like all of okay. the horror movies going to space but mm-hmm. leprechaun in space is so tongue-in-cheek fucking hilarious all right it's so, it's so much better than you a, think it's just a different animal then it's, it's a just, different beast it's man. sort of okay i got you that's fair <laughs> maybe next year it'll be I, that or children of the corn i don't know which one but yes oh yeah yeah <laughs> All right, uh, Dylan, would you like to tell everyone where they can find you one more time before we get out of here? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. It's both the same, at Dill Gilbertson, um, D-I-L-L Gilbertson. Um, I'm there. I'm always showing off and, and talking about comic book stuff, horror stuff in general. Um, I, you can visit my website, Dylan Gilbertson. Or sorry, Dylan DylanDoesComics.com. Um, uh, you can see all my work there and, and sort of contact me through there. Awesome. And we'll make sure awesome. all that stuff's in the show note, guys. Uh, thanks, man. Thanks for your time. This was an thank awesome Thank you so much, talk. man. This was great. Yeah, thank you, guys. I This was a, a whole lot of fun. I do, I've done a, a number of podcasts. It's one of the best ones that I've, that I've had the pleasure Aww, of being thanks, on. I man. really appreciate that. Yeah, you guys rock. I appreciate it. Uh, all right, guys. Remember, back tomorrow for Child's Play 3, man. 31 days, 31 pods. So uh, thanks again, guys, for the talk. We'll see the rest of you tomorrow. Make sure you check out Dylan's stuff. See you.